against Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. What a bummer of a week for you guys. I had a good time. Uh, crazy week for the Raiders. We'll get you ready for Raiders and Broncos this weekend. Those hated Broncos. The attention has not been on, unfortunately, the Broncos for much of the week, but we will concentrate on that game and lots of other NFL games in this 5 o'clock hour. That was the voice of Willie Ramirez, and we needed a yeah. Ari is across the way. It's Cofield. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So, I'm glad to see the Dodgers, and I'm sure Major League Baseball is glad to see the Dodgers in, I almost said the World Series, but no, that felt like the NLCS, but it was not. That was a division series win against the Giants, two best teams in baseball by the record during the regular season, and unfortunately, it ended on a less than stellar check swing call. It was called a strike. Listen to multiple play-by-play feeds here, and you can tell what all the guys calling the game Check swing and a ball down and away. He went, and it's over. Wilmer Flores strikes out, and the Dodgers are moving on. Just outside. He went around. Strike three. Gabe Morales, the first base umpire. The Dodgers are going to the National League Championship Series. And that's low. And a, a check swing. It is ruled a swing. By Gabe Morales, the first base umpire, and the Dodgers have won the game. There you go. Giants radio, Dodgers radio, ESPN, all three guys are like, ball. wait, what? He's strike. Okay. They're all blown away by it. They all saw it. That was not a freaking strike. I don't have any anything, any dog in this fight. Um, that's disappointing. That's not the way to end a series. But you know, Willie, this is an umping issue that has been going on for years and years and years, and I have no idea what the conversation was today. I'm going to guess at what it was on the Levitard show, but I saw the Levitard show, which is now doing their pirate stuff on the podcast. I saw them send out a an old video, right? And it's, I'll tell you, all the years I did sports radio, um, it's one of those, I flipped out about this event. Um, it was a White Sox game, and Ken Kaiser's behind the plate, right? And I think the White Sox did it on purpose, but I'm pretty sure it was Mark Burley who was pitching, uh, ball gets up high. Uh, Ice is catching. Eh, you know what? Look like a cross-up, high fastball. Kaiser gets hit right in the mask. First pitch of the game, right? Ken Kaiser then takes a ball. This is an umpire. Takes takes the ball out of his ball sack, right? And rolls it on the ground. And I'm like, you mother... Like, he just did that? The arbiter of justice in the game right. just lost his cool. By the way... The pitcher bends down to get the ball, which I, I, if I was pitching, or I'll tell you what, even better if I'm managing, I'm like, don't touch the ball. Do not pick it up. Don't pick it up. And I would have just stood there and go, you get it. How dare you roll the ball out to me? Arbiter of justice. What is this? 
Guy throws two more pitches, right? Kaiser doesn't even make a call. He's so pissed off because he got hit in the face. And that is a microcosm of the way too many umpires have been over the years in Major League Baseball as if there's some independent force working the game. And let's go back to last night's game. There's no appeal. The league doesn't have a, a any sort of rule in place where Gabe Kapler can go, whoa, 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 challenge, go to the video and look at this. But too often, the umpires are more concerned about how they look, the image, right? And they're not going to overturn a call and embarrass the guy who made a ridiculous call at first base. He doesn't even have the angle. Why that's the, the guy who gets to make the call is stupid. It's outrageous, and it's another embarrassing incident with the umpires. And I, I'll tell you, Willie, Major League Baseball needs to do something, and Manfred's not going to do it. But they need to do something in the offseason and go, hey, this is the way we want our game officiated. These are the changes we want. And if you guys don't agree to it, and I would actually, this th- that right there could be the impetus. And who knows, man? I might be prisoner of the moment, Willie. There could be a moment in the World Series that F's a team, right? That's even worse than this. But this offseason... That's it. Go to the umpires and go, this is what we want. Mm. And then you get some bluster back and you go, you're going to walk? You know what? Then walk. We already did this once and we fired half of you. This is enough. This is enough. And this should also be the year where they go, you know what? We're bringing in freaking robo-ump behind the plate. And if you guys don't like it, again, you can walk. We'll go to court. Let's have it. Let's have it out there. But they got to fix this, man. This independent force ruling over baseball is stupid and embarrassing. You know, for a moment, you you think about critical calls and try to compare or think. And I was going to liken this to a call that hit home here in Las Vegas a few years ago when Cody Eakin was called for a major. And that didn't decide the game because the players decided that, but it sure changed the complexion on that five-minute major where the San Jose Sharks come back, score those goals, Goes to overtime, they lose. But here's the thing. The officials in that game called it to the letter of the law, and then during the offseason, the league stepped in and changed things to where reviewable and so on and so forth. Whereas here, the umpires, this is, as you said, is an ongoing thing. The umpires make things about themselves. It's in their hands. It's not necessarily, like you said, the baseball has to go to the umpires, whereas... That particular call, the NHL, they sat down, they changed the rule they where they can be reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't liken it to that because it's not. And this is they are the one officiating crew of the four majors where they're constantly making it about themselves. By the way, the other level of this, and I, I, I don't want to go here all the time, but I know there are people thinking about it. You guys are the ones who wanted integrity. With sports gambling. Yeah. Major League Baseball's partners, their sports books, MGM Resorts, FanDuel, DraftKings, FoxBet. Listen, this is not the way I think, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, well, you know, the Giants, ooh, the liability at some of these books on the future. Boy, it's a it's nice to get the Giants the hell out of there because Giants for the World Series, we're gonna kill certain sports books out there. And now that we've got this entangling alliance, you know, a sport and sports books, did any of those places need the Giants to be out of the playoffs? Now, do I think that happened? No. 
No. But these are the questions that come up. You want to, hey, oh, you told us the whole time, integrity. We don't want to get in bed with sports gambling. Well, now you're in bed, and you are smashing each other. You're going at it. I don't know what you're whispering to each other. Now, do I think they're whispering? I, I really don't. But I think the questions are worth asking. And in, in this case, where it assists, it would have assisted the, the sportsbooks on the other side of it, what if it doesn't? And at some point, your business partner can come in and say, hey, we need legitimacy, right? So there's going to come a time where that relationship is called into question, either by the betters or on the other side of it, maybe by the sports books. But, but it's definitely you need to get these, these quirks worked out because that is going to become an issue at some point. Number four. What is happening with the Golden Knights? They lost a game? Well, it's bigger than that, right? They didn't look good in the game in L.A., and now they may have a major injury. What's the update on Stone? Uh, I wasn't out there today. I know that DeBoer, they, they, they haven't necessarily, of course, we never hear anything concrete with the NHL. Is this a day-to-day? Is it a week-to-week or a month-to-month? I think right now it's a day-to-day. You know, uh, here's the thing. What I saw when you there was no contact, and you saw his knee buckle at a left field. You know, just kind of a phantom buckle. And I have to wonder if the ice. I tweeted that it looked as if maybe his skate got tweaked into the ice some way or another. Hit a hit a hit a rough patch or a divot. I, I don't know, but it didn't look good the way it buckled. And what really didn't look good is that you had to. He needed assistance down the off the ice and down the tunnel. Um, the way that it buckled in that outside—I mean, it—it—it was—it was—it looked like a typical football injury, right? Where the the knee buckles, one of them tendons, uh, and that's the last thing they need is to lose stone. You know, the, um, who's gonna who's gonna take over that that uh, that uh, that wing spot on the top line and. They do have some time off before the next game, but um, this is going to be a critical point because even before he went off, they looked somewhat lackluster. Number three. Back to the Raiders. Back to no John Gruden. It's still shocking. You know, even four and a half days since it's happened. Mm. Still shocking. Now, we just saw an AP story come down. AP writer says, source says, there's nothing else to the level of Gruden in all those 650,000 emails. Release the emails, okay? Because I'm not saying the source to the AP dude, Barry Wilner, is lying, but who knows who's telling the source this information. I don't believe it, and, you know, it's so funny the way the NFL operates. They want quick and tidy resolutions, Yet there are issues still hanging around that are major issues. Like the football team, like Snyder's club. I don't get why the league is so afraid of Dan Snyder and why they protect Dan Snyder. Because then, you know what Daniel Snyder does to reward the NFL's shield? In this case, shielding Daniel Snyder is pull some cockamamie move this week. Announced last minute that they're gonna they're gonna retire the jersey of Sean Taylor 
who was tragically murdered. And they do it with almost no notice. And now people have reached out to Sean Taylor's brother, Gabe, and he's like, I didn't know about it until a couple days ago. Like, who operates like this? Now, now you're using the deceased Sean Taylor as a friggin' shield? And again, this is who the NFL is protecting? That's the reward? In a way, it's fitting, isn't it? You know, I mean, at the commissioner's office, it must be like, what is he doing? I said this yesterday. I'm going to repeat it again. Our good friend Vernon Fox, this he says it was the greatest season ever. And it, he was the greatest person that he'd ever met, Sean Taylor. The greatest person on and off the field. What he learned from that man. And you, you, the one time, the first time we had, that I said, "Hey, let's get Vernon on," and you were so you were like, "Man, that, that's a great spot. He's a great guy." So imagine Vernon, yeah. the person that he's impressed by, yep. the one person that every year on the anniversary of his death, and then this, and this he, is what, and this, this is what Sean Taylor gets is about three day about, notice. about two days of hype, which has now turned into yelling about it. Yeah. You should have weeks of celebration about this. Interviews all over the place, especially in the D.C. area. And this is what Dan Snyder's club does. I, I don't. I just don't. Listen, I know there's going to be lawsuits. And I know it's hard to take a, a team away from someone. But what does this guy have on Goodell? What does this guy have on the, the rest of the NFL? What does he have on the other owners? Is that what it is? Hopefully He's called around. Out. He's like, hey, you, I got this on you, Jerry Jones, and you, Kraft, I got this, and Crocky, I got this, and let, you know, keep naming owners. Is that what's happened behind the scenes? Why are they so afraid of this guy? It only remains to be seen. I want to know. But are we ever going to find out? Is there really going to be, uh, is there really going to be, uh, you know, a, a real reveal of this investigation they did? No. And then we just expect it to go away. That's it, huh? All right. Top two stories. Number two. Broncos say they're expecting the same old Raiders without John Gruden. I mean, is that possible? Do you just steam forward and it's the same old team? What do you think? I don't think it's going to be the same old Raiders. I think it's going to be, you know, I think they're going to come out. I think that the reason they're saying that is because of this rivalry. Is there, you know, and we taught we asked Vic Fangio that, and he said, "Yeah, it's absolutely, you know, it's still it's still the same feeling." Denver, Oakland, Denver, Vegas, Broncos, Raiders. So I think that that's what we're expecting. Um, they're just going to have to focus and and bring forth what they can because they have no other shot. You trust your first impressions, like like you guys have been exposed to Basachi in the past, right? But now it's it's a new role. Do you like you had to be sitting there? I do this. I do this every time there's a new head coach, right? And I do this every time there's a new head coach. Well, I'll, I'll sit there and and listen, try to judge. Hey, would I follow this person? Would I be impressed? I wonder on Basaccia where everyone is on this one. All right, quick time out. We'll come back. Number one on the way back. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000.
The locker room is the sacred place. The locker room is the place that's only for you. You know what? It's about us. It's about silver. It's about black. It's not about your sexual orientation, your color. It's not about your background. We are all the exact same. And what I'm going to do is put all of my energy into protecting you from the outside noise and sometimes even protecting you from coaches that we once had in this building. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. So, Willie, I was just asking you about Rich Basaccia and your initial impressions. You, you know, when you see a guy speak, you're watching him differently than when he's, you know, in a lower position. When he's a head coach, you're trying to kind of formulate what you think, hey, would this guy be mm. a guy that I would want to be led by? It, I was impressed with him just because I, of the genuinity from this guy. I mean, he, you know, he was asked a couple of questions. He got emotional. He got choked up a little bit. He talked about his father, talked about his family, talked about a dream come true. You don't want it to happen this way. But, you know, I think that one thing that he's definitely got going for him is the staff that is in place there, given Gus Bradley's experience and he's he's somewhat turned this defense around in terms of its confidence and energy level. Um, Greg Olson in calling the plays, he's got experience in having done that. He he was there when uh, Derek Carr was drafted. He was there for his rookie season calling the plays. You have a staff under you that he can let do their jobs with comfortability in this first game. And that staff has experience in this AFC West. So when you talk about the same old Raiders, I think that that's what the Broncos are expecting in that Gruden's gone, yes. But you have a staff there that has continually been in this division, has the experience, and you have a team that wants to move on from this and sort of focus and and get on the field. I asked that to Max Crosby the other day. You know, is this it was it nice to finally get on the field after Friday's initial impact, Sunday's lackluster performance, then Monday's fallout, and then the resignation. And now Wednesday, you finally get to put the pads on, get back out there on the field, do what you do. So I think that they're, you know, looking forward to sort of just rinsing this all off as best as possible. And and playing a division opponent, you know, with everything that's involved in this game, this might be the best thing for them is to get on the road, play a, a, an arch rival. And I think for Basaccia, I think he's in a good position just because of the support staff that he has, you know, starting with Bradley and Olsen, his two coordinators. Yeah, he said uh, yeah, he's got the keys to the special teams car and, you know, those guys are driving those cars, the offensive and, and defensive cars, so... We'll see. You know, when uh, when leadership calls need to be made, though, someone's got to step up and do that, and we'll see if Passaccia is, is ready to do it. Um, again, the story behind this whole thing is Gruden going bye-bye, why it happened, whose decision it was, the other issues at hand around the league. I've pressed it multiple times this show. I think it's interesting that Mark Davis has chosen not to speak, aside from saying, hey, the NFL, turn to them, because they have all the answers. Roger Goodell is hiding behind the shield. He hasn't said anything. And I thought Stephen A. Smith, you know, in talking about it, he was he's his whole rant was mad at Mark Davis because Mark Davis may have kept Gruden through all of this. Um he's he's fired up because there's a bigger picture here. And I, I agree with the same thing. There's not one John Gruden and one guy sending emails and one guy thinking like that in 2021 NFL. There are a bunch of people 
And it's a big problem that the league does not want to face. That culture that we religiously lament, where there's no minority ownership other than Kim Pagula in Buffalo and Chad Khan, who's, Pakistan, who's yep. from Pakistan, owning the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have no representation. You certainly don't have any black representation. I can tell you that much in an ownership position. There's plenty of people with money that would love to own an NFL team that happen to be black, okay? And you haven't invited them into that good old boys club. People forget that. It yep. doesn't matter how much money you have. They have to invite you in. They have to invite you in. And it's you know, it's going to sound really weird. I've never looked at Mark Davis as one of them. And I don't think they look at Mark Davis as one of them. I don't I don't look at Mark Davis back to Al Davis as like old money. Right. There's old money in this league. There's I'll, I'll put it this way. There's you have like robber baron money. Mm. Like those kind of families, right? Mm. And to me Al Davis was a guy who, you know, rose up in a fledgling league, right? Who's a made, made a lot a of money is an amazing success story. I, he certainly had investments out there, right. but compared to some of the other people in this league, Stephen A. nails it. You know, and he didn't mention Mark Davis there. Uh, Mark wasn't. I. This is not trying to be mean to Mark Davis. I don't think Mark Davis would be invited now if he were on the outside. Right. Now would he have a better chance than a person of color? Probably, but I actually don't think he's one of them either. There's. That kind of language that that Gruden was throwing around on email for eight years, I think there are plenty of owners. I think there are plenty of people who run the NFL who were thinking that way. Who still think that who way. Who still think that way. Absolutely. There's dozens of John Gruden-esque people and thoughts around the league. Remember, he he went after things racially. No one is no one is really concentrated on the fact that he was ranting about females. This is like a whole the the whole football culture is about hey, this is our thing. We don't want those people involved in our thing. This is what I'm used to, right? So he's complaining about women being involved. Then you know different thoughts in terms of protest. Yep. Obviously, you had the the anti gay slurs. That's the, the, well, this this that, football but... thing too often is, hey, this is our game, and they're coming in. Well, hey, hey, guys, if you want to grow the business, if that's ultimately what it is, you got to be inclusive, and 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 you certainly better not be excluding people based on Gruden's thoughts. Right, that, that's the real problem. The, the there's the name calling and the making fun of with with Demar Smith and Goodell, and then the disparaging of hiring women or using women in yep. certain capacities. But Female they, and referees. And then, and, then, uh. and then saying the NFL shouldn't have forced Jeff Fisher right. to draft a gay man. Letting gay guys come in. Yes. We know who they are. We don't draft them. Right. Now, no one said that. But I could see that being the thought, like, we get the reports before the draft. Right. We don't let them in the game. Stop. Cut it out. It makes you wonder, when you look at that comment, if, because Sam, he, he made it to the practice squad. He was never, because remember, because that's why Carl Dassett, that was the, that was the big deal, was yeah. he was the first openly active uh, gay NFL player. Sam never made it. So you have to wonder if the thought was there in, in, in an ESPN analyst head, a former uh -huh. NFL coach, 
Was it out there? Because uh, instead, we all accepted that the SEC defensive player, the well, he got a shot. He just couldn't make it. Right. Well, he got a shot. Yeah. You know, people get multiple shots. Right. But maybe that was the case. Maybe he wasn't then, the then only you, one thinking then, that. Then you got something. Then you really got something. If you can prove that organizations over the years have not been hiring women to be around their football programs, I'll call them. You know, guys who are rumored to be gay, they've been hiring them. Um, I mean, it certainly looks like they've shut out some African-Americans based on thoughts. So there's a lot of problems the league has to clean up. Lot, lots of problems. Let's open those emails. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if we got we got to look at... 650,000! Hundreds of characters around the NFL and their emails over the last 10 years? Oh, it would get real ugly. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I got some LA stories to get to. We want to talk about the Dodgers, but I do want to get Arash Marakazi on the Raiders situation and what happened this week. And Arash does radio for the Mighty 1090. Arash, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good, Arash. So we've been uh, still talking about the follow-up on the Gruden deal at the beginning of the week because it's not done. We're going to see how the Raiders react against the Broncos. I wanted to run something by you, and I ran it by one of our guests earlier in the show. So Gruden goes bye-bye, right? I, I often think in these situations we we cast people aside. They're shunned. Uh, Gruden gets to walk off and really doesn't have to deal with most of this. I, I almost think in these cases, not almost think, I, I think it's worth talking about in these cases if Gruden keeps the job and then has to deal with this every week and actually hears from people about why his words were damaging, doesn't that actually do more for the cause of opening up football and being more understanding and not being, um, not lacking inclusivity? What do you think of that? Like how would it have been a disaster to keep him around? And then like, dude, you got to face the music. Everyone's got to learn from this first and foremost, John Gruden. No, I mean, because, you know, the problem, Steve, is that these people who have said these words, so it's not just John Gruden, of course, it's George Allen, and there's a ton of people, I think you touched on this, I mean, there's a lot more people than just that. They were put in positions of power. They were put in positions to sign and waive players. They were put in positions to hire and fire people. And there is a reason that the majority of not just the National Football League, but, but professional sports is largely white males. And so I I do know what you're saying, but the problem, Steve, is we would have had a ton of press conferences like we had post-game on Sunday where he wants to move on and you don't get to move on. But quite frankly, John, if you do want to move on, you can move on because you're fired or you have to resign or whatever that they chose to do with him. But like I know what you're saying, but I promise you what he's going through right now is a lot worse than a press conference. Yeah, and that's uh, Stanford Route, a former Raider, was on earlier, and he was saying that too. Basically, the guy may face a lifetime ban from football, something he loves, and it's not just the money. Like It's going to be a while before anyone's going to want him around, and this is his life. Football is his freaking life, and it's not like he's 78 years old. No, yeah. I mean, so I mean, he's in a position because of what he said – that, you know, because there, there are times where a guy makes his comeback by coaching high school. There is no <laughs> situation 
where whether you're a high school or a flag football team, that you want to be associated with this man because you have to talk about what he said. So the next time we hear from John Gruden, and I don't know when that will be, I mean, he's going to have to address the words that he said. And we are, and it takes some time, we are a forgiving country. So I, I don't think he will coach college football, pro football, but do I see a pathway at some point a year, two years from now, he, again, addresses what he said and and kind of maybe shows that he's changed. Because I, I do think people do change. I do think that that hopefully that does happen. So, like, my, my hope for this is that we realize this is not just a John Gruden story. And George Allen, by the way, so he, the, the thing that gets lost is that this man – George Allen, who is an executive, who is the president and GM of hey, one of the Ar- 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 Arash, to jump in, it's Bruce Allen. Bruce now, Allen. Now that, now that said, <laughs> yeah. uh, who's Apple, George the, Allen? The, the Apple, the the Apple may not far, yeah, George, fall, oh, fall from the his father, from the tree. His father, yeah. Yeah, yeah. his father who coached at Long right, Beach. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, no, but you know, uh, he was in a position to hire and fire. He was in a position yep. to you know, surround himself with people who wanted to go to um, Hooters or whatnot. I mean, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. Arash is with us, Mighty 1090. All right, let's get into the Dodgers a little bit. While I was happy to see the Dodgers win, Arash, I know you're a Dodgers fan. You cover the L.A. scene. Come on now, the end of the game. Baseball's got a problem if that's the way a series is going to end and there's no appeal, there's no way to look at a check swing. That was stupid. Listen, that's not I, – I know what you're saying, and, and I uh, wanted to tweet this, but then I thought about the, the, the backlash I would get from Giants fans. Always, yes. Listen, <laughs> the Dodgers were affected too because that decision stole what was yeah. going to be and – you, and you and I both know this, guys. This was going to be – the next pitch would have been a strike or a pop fly. I mean, Max Scherzer was not going to lose that game. So the way that that game ended was ridiculous. You don't know that. You don't know that. We can predict that. Arash. We can we can predict that. That that was a terrible call, and it stole a a great moment from the from the the Dodgers. Now, of course, I would rather be in the Dodgers position where you stole my celebration as opposed to the Giants where you stole my season. That you know that that the the game was not gonna. You know, Arash, yeah. you and I have broken bread together. We've been out oh, to yeah. dinner. We've gone to a show. We've Uh-oh. been to Piero's. What's, what's coming here? Uh, where were you last night? I was at the Kings game. I was yeah, watching, and uh, how many my, bottles my of wine did you go through that oh, you actually think okay. that that stole a moment from the Dodgers and not the Giants? And I'm a Dodgers fan. It did, because what are we talking about? We're not talking about the Dodgers beating the Giants. We're not talking about the Dodgers pitching staff. The Giants scored 10 runs. 10 runs during a five-game classic series. They only scored 10 runs. If you're telling me that they would have scored two off of Max Scherzer and won the game, fantastic. That's, I'm telling you, it was a terrible call. I'm telling you that that call, because of that call, we're, we're, we're talking about that terrible uh, check swing as being the difference in the game. I, I, th- that's, not, that, that's not the game. The game was how many runs did the Giants score in that game? Last let, me, let me get you on a good angle. Uh, I don't know how often you've had a chance to be around and speak to Bellinger. 
What do you think it was like for Bellinger? This has been one of the most bizarre oh, yeah. things I've ever seen where they just can't get the guy out of it, and you know now he's come up with a couple of big hits in the postseason. This has been huge for him because he uh, – This is, I mean, you could just look at the numbers. It's been a terrible season for him, and I think there was a, a feeling of, like, what do we do with this guy? I mean, this guy was the most valuable player a couple of years ago, made some key plays in the playoffs a year ago. The, the 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 thing that a lot of people around the team kept going going back to is he's done it in the playoffs. Let's see what he does in the postseason. And I'm like, what what he's gonna flip a switch? Beginning with the wild card game, going into this division series, Cody has changed, and I can't explain it. And I'm just happy to see it. He is a different player. This has been a nightmarish season for him. This was an absolute terrible year for him. Hopefully that does not continue. But yeah, I mean, guys, there was there there was a feeling of like, do you put him on the playoff roster if he's, right. if he's going to continue to bat like one twenty or one fifteen or what? I mean, what the heck's the point? This is a different player now. Arash, Mighty 1090 is here with us. Uh, I want to get to the Kings game here in a second, but you know what, Arash, during this spot, I'm going to do a giveaway. Caller 7 364 1100. I know. Oh, 364-1100. A couple tickets to go see the Golden Knights. Edmonton on the 20th. Caller 7. Talk to Ari. He's going to hook you up with the Vegas Golden Knights tickets. 364-1100. All right. What was, the, what was the atmosphere, first of all, last night uh, for that game, VGK against it the Kings? It was fantastic, you know, because as you know, a lot of Dodger fans are Kings fans and Kings fans are Dodgers fans. So it was this weird moment where, like, you got your tickets for that game or you're, you're, you're excited about the beginning of the season. But you're like, oh, my God, it's game five. Dodgers, Giants, do or die, win or go home. So I mean, the, half the crowd is either watching on their phones or taking breaks where they go up to the, uh, like, the uh, sports bar or suite or whatnot. So... The focus really wasn't on the game because, at least for the Kings, it was a fantastic game. But it, it timed out perfectly where between the second and third periods, Max Scherzer comes onto the mound. And Dieter Rule is the organist for not only the Kings, but the Dodgers. So he was playing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. He's playing all the classics. <laughs> and when he gets the final out, it was great. Like, if you could not be in San Francisco, with the the Dodger fans, not in like you know, uh, it was a fantastic scene. Again, I, I I posted it on Twitter. You did. It was a great moment. And then Kopitar post game after his hat trick puts on a Dodgers hat. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You, you, yeah. You had some great tweets as far as the crowd. The uh, I think when it was when the game ended, um, the electric atmosphere, and it was uh. It looked like a fun atmosphere to be in, considering the games going on simultaneously. Yeah, yeah I mean, again, I think the majority of fans uh, probably got their tickets, obviously, before they knew there would be a game five. And by right. the way, I don't know if you guys have talked about this. The schedule came out for the championship series, and there was some concern here because the Lakers' first game of the season is on Tuesday against right. the Warriors, and game three of the National League Championship Series is Tuesday. Well, thankfully, they uh, they scheduled it right. The, the Dodgers game is going to be at 2 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. tip for the Lakers. So if you're a fan with tickets to both, or like me, a reporter planning to go to both, you can still <laughs> have both. Uh, last one, Arash, on uh, LA NFL football. I know it's uh, bottom of the barrel in terms of interest, which is bizarro, right? It kind of <laughs> it's not, 
always true. I know. We I know. got we we got two of the best teams in the league here. I know, though. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, must watch for you. What do you have to watch because we're playing at the same time, both in the Eastern Time Zone? What's of more interest to you, the Chargers in a super competitive game, or the Rams in a game they should win, but it's a bounce back game where they have to answer? Nah, check that. It's not a bounce back game. But uh, what's more of more of more interest to you, the Rams or the Chargers game this week? The Chargers, and I never thought I would say this, and I never thought this would happen, but guys, Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley, that combination, but specifically Justin Herbert, really developing into one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players, they got a superstar. They lucked into a superstar, and I don't want to say lucked into, but they also lucked into the best young coach. So they've got this amazing tandem that is the face of the team, and they've moved the needle. I did not know when it would happen for the Chargers in Los Angeles, but I'm telling you guys, they have moved the needle here. And we'll see how far this goes if they go into the postseason, certainly if they advance to the Super Bowl, which will be uh, that SoFi Stadium. I did not think the Chargers would move the needle here. They locked into the best young quarterback and the best young coach. Arash, if you can bet a prop bet that says the Chargers – and the Rams in SoFi in February. Mm. Are you betting it? Why not? I will make that bet just because I'm a Los Angeles and Las Vegas homer. You know, I love both teams, but I, I, I gotta my my right foot is still firmly planted in Las Vegas. All Sorry, right. Los, Los Angeles. But by the way, guys, I love the Allegiant Stadium. Everyone's asked me that stadium walk from the Strip yep. to the stadium. It's fantastic. Listen, the last two times you've been here, you said, hey, we're going to catch up. So guess what? Next time in, Pierrot's is on you. By the way, uh, <laughs> my ta- time may be up, but Willie, you have to tell him that amazing night we had together. We saw one of the all-time greats, Paul Anka. If you can get Paul Anka what? and Pierrot's in the same story, that is a heck of a night. And that is a Las Vegas, a quintessential Las Vegas night. We did have a good time. Willie. Yeah. That was yes. a great time. All right, Rosh. We'll see you, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See there he is, Arash. Arash Markazi. Friends with everyone. That was Mr. Dur- Mr. Vegas, Mr. L.A. He is. You know that you could have gotten the Rams-Chargers matchup uh, during the summer in July at 120-1. to 1. Ooh. Not a, I don't think a lot of belief at the time because it was an unknown. People didn't know Brandon Staley. But I, I, I will say, uh, of all the fan bases around the NFL, between Telesco, who's not an old guy, GM, Brandon Staley, who's come out, you know, looking and sounding like a hit, yeah. and Herbert, who could be, you know, a great quarterback for the next 10 or 12 years. My God, the Chargers have it going on right now. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Put your hand in there, dude. All right, Willie, let's do it. I'm scrapping all the plans. I want to go through some of the NFL games before we get out of here. All right. Uh, Sunday, Westgate. Be Adam Candy and myself, 8 a.m. Great show. Football Central, 8 a.m. Football Central, Westgate in the Superbook. We'll be there for a couple hours to do an hour on the air, get you the uh, last-minute line changes, all the injury news. There's a lot of injury news out around the league. All right. Well, we got another early game. Another one of incredible intrigue, huh? Two is supposed to start. Okay. Does that make a difference to you? It doesn't really because I, if there's any 
coach that's lost the locker room that it's probably sending early Christmas gifts to uh, John Cruden for stealing the headlines. It's uh, Urban Meyer. Uh-huh. Wait, I thought I was reading this week. Brian Flores had lost a locker room. No, I think Urban Meyer lost. Yeah, I read that this week. That again, these are you know we're we're fed so much NFL information, but there are some thoughts out there that uh, there's a lot of Dolphins players who are like, "What the hell is going on?" Uh, I, I I buy in more to to Miami bonding for this trip and and coming together and beating up a very bad Jack dismembered Jackson beating them up. Yeah, so you're gonna lay the three? Absolutely, right? Uh, Indy and Houston. Colts are 10. I'm not, I'm a little reluctant to lay that just because of... Texans Texas, played a hell of a game yeah, last week. They were right there. With the, I don't think the Patriots are good either. But No, but they're showing scrappiness 10. here and there, and that's a lot of points for a Colts team that hasn't shown me much. Green Bay, Chicago. This one is uh, risen, and I saw more, uh, you know, Matt, I almost called him Charles Nagy, uh, Matt Nagy bashing out there. I... I'll fire on the Bears here. I'm firing on the Bears also. What do you, uh, you like that you saw from the Bears last week? Because I think a lot of people are chalking it up like, oh, the Raiders, more ready, distracted. Yeah, no, I, the, the, Bear, the Bears defense is a top five defense. And that's that it. travels and they're at home. But that week to week, it's going to be pretty freaking consistent. And let's not forget that this is the oldest rivalry in the NFL, right? This is, isn't this Green Bay, Chicago go back? I mean, I mean, we know it goes back, but I believe this is the oldest rivalry. I mean... Chicago is going to come a fire. I believe in that defense, and I'm not necessarily, I, you know, I mean, Green Bay wants to get in shootouts, and I, I think that uh, because it's in Chicago and because it dominated dominated the way that it did, distracted or not Raiders team, that uh, it may move the football on that de- on the Packers defense, and Chicago's defense is going to come to play led by Khalil Mack. You mentioned shootout. Is there any reason to not believe the Washington and Kansas City Will be a shootout. Won't, won't this just be like a 35-31 game? Yeah, because at the beginning of the season, before we knew everything was fine with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, it was Washington football team was supposed to be the team of the East. So I think at some point they better wake up because Dallas is is taking control. Now people are already penciling them in for the NFC. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I'm i not sold on Kansas City's defense one bit. And laying six and a half on the road, Against a football team that's going to want to play, and there's a team talking about. We're sitting there talking about the Raiders want to overcome distraction. There's a team that's going to want to make sure that they're staying focused. So I like the points, and I definitely like the over. I think the Chargers lose this week. Baltimore will cover. I can see that. It's a low number, and they got to travel across the country. You know, uh, they've been riding high. They're probably looking at it. You know. Looking at the fact that they're leading the division, Kansas City's, you know, they, they, this could be a game where the Chargers lose a little focus in, in the fact that what's going on around them, meaning in the AFC West, and sort of paying too much attention outside of themselves and what the other teams are doing in the AFC West, and they go out there and they get smacked. Because Baltimore's played, you know, they played some tough games, some close games. They, they lost, obviously, to the Raiders, but this is a very low number. And... I could see them winning this by four to six. I'll take Cleveland to beat Arizona and uh, handle them. I don't know if they're going to blow them out, but I, I think uh, Arizona going up against this Browns defense will be a bit of a wake-up call. Is this the one that you're? This is the one that they're going to. I'm hearing that a lot, and I'm undecided what? on this. That this is the game that Arizona is going to lose. They're finally going to lose. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were suggesting like we're dealing with a seventeen and zero situation, and we're trying to find oh, a couple of losses. No, 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 no. no. This, no. This, like, this, like they're going to lose this week. Right. They, that's what you know. That's a tough um, matchup, and, and obviously, Cleveland. That was a freaking disaster for Cleveland against the Chargers. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And they're playing again. You know, they're at home, like you said, and um, their defense is going to come play. They're, they they have some things to avenge. So this this is it's a tough spot. I'm not touching that game. Gino. Can he get it done for Seattle, getting five against Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is a weird team. I can't figure that team out. Um, but at home, in in the Sunday night game, Tomlin, you know, I'm a Tomlin guy. I've always been a Tomlin guy. I I, I love the way he coaches. Um, and I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot to go in there with Geno Smith. You know, and, and, and I said this uh, late night last week. Our buddy Dave Koken got on me about it. <laughs> but uh, what'd he say? No, I would say, well, I just said, hey, I know it was an exhibition game, but that was the one time that he was that he had to kind of show himself. He only had a chance to shine, and that was when he played here against the Raiders, and then he he got some playing time during the exhibition, and then when he came yeah. in for Russell, he moved the ball, and Dave's argument was that's because they didn't have time to prepare for him. He comes into the game, and so they're not expecting to play. But it's still a similar style. He's not Russell Wilson, but so now you give a team time to prepare for that offense being run by Geno Smith. It's different. But that being said, Sunday Night Football, Steelers, Tomlin, you know, uh, and the number sort of dictates. You you wouldn't expect it to be. This would be a game I would think two and a half, three. 30 but. seconds. Uh, I want to lay Denver four against the Raiders, but that's, you know, Bad line value, but I do think I think the Broncos are going to win. I know you're confident that the Raiders are going to prep. They're going to play hard. They're going to be all focused. I I just think this is a rough spot, man, with all that's happened. I'm going on the limb and saying Raiders money line. Really? So outright win. I, I'd love to see it happen. I don't think Denver's great. I don't. But, man, all this coming together, the Gruden thing, you got, you know, the coaching but, staff in flux, players looking around. Like, do we are we really fired up to play this game? Mike Shanahan, ring of honor going on. I mean, it's like they're up against it. They're up against it. They've had to go through a hell of a week. You know what? They went through. They they. It was already buzzing last week at home Sunday. Monday was tough. Yes, they've had time to prepare. Raiders are going to win this outright.